I uh, I want to share a word with you this morning, a timely word, uh, a seasonal word. I I had a, a a word ready last week. How many were here last week? Can I see by a show of hands? All right, quite a few were not. It's summer; people are shifting around a little, and um, but we had a, a unique morning service last Sunday, and it was amazing. And there is more to come. You never know what it's going to look like to you with God. You know? You know, one thing is that we are kind of creatures of comfort, aren't we? And, and really, if you, if you look at, uh, if you just think about who we are, some of us are, are uh, more poised for change than others. Some people are change-oriented. We like to be moving forward. We like, we like change. Most of us, if we're honest, like change more when we get to be a part of it. But sometimes we're not, sometimes change is, is happening. And, and so lots of times change is happening actually in, in my own life and in our, all of our lives. And I think at that point, really the difference is whether, what, what I do with the change that's presented to me. Amen. Some people say one thing never changes and that's change. The change continues to happen. I mean, you can even look at the world we live in, the very, the very earth that we live on. If you look about at it, and, and we're, we're all concerned about things that are happening in our little, like, breath of a moment that we're alive on this planet, you know, our, our grand scope of how the world is, the earth is shaping, you know, and we've got, like, how many years can we even see? How much data do we have? You know what I'm saying? We're like, it warmed up a degree. Everybody's going to die. You know, and then they're like, it's cooling down. Everyone's going to freeze and die. And we're so dramatic over those kind of things because change. And and um, but I think what helps us is to realize that in this world, we really are called to live as pilgrims. That that we are followers. Isn't that amazing that that we're actually identified by an action that that our identity as believers in Christ is that we are followers of Jesus. That means Jesus is going somewhere and we're going with him. And we don't always know where it is. We got a we have a general we generally know. You know? But you know, when I was a kid, when my when my parents would tell me, "Hey, we're going to go to such and such place and it'd be a place I'd never been before." How many know and even as an adult you do this? That you come up with a picture of what that place is going to look like. How many have done that? Oh, yeah, I got a big picture of it in my mind. I can see it. And then you show up and you're like, this isn't anything at all like I imagined. It's nothing like what the picture I had in my mind. And, and I think what changes as you grow is that you at least learn to accept that you don't know what that place is going to look like until you get there. Right. Like a mature adult knows, like, what's it going to look like? Well, I mean, I've heard about it, but I don't really know until I get there and see it. And um, and and isn't it amazing how simply accepting that truth brings peace to you in your journey? I don't know what it's going to look like. We're going to go there. We're going to see it ourselves. And it's going to be amazing. We're going to experience it when we get there. What's the road going to be like? What's the journey going to be like? Well, I've never driven on that road. So 
actually, I'm going to experience that as I go as well. And, and you know what? We can experience it together, actually. But rest assured, uh, mom or dad, whoever's doing the driving, um, has uh, plotted out the course. They know where they're going, right? At least they've got GPS on their phone. Nobody knows turns or roads anymore. That's not true, but uh, just imagine. I remember my parents unfolding the big old, like, the big old paper map. Let me fold the, the bottom under just so I can fit it here. And, you know, somebody had traced a line on the road that you would take. And I think we're here, you know. And, and um, yeah, anyway, now we all have phones that just uh, speak to us. Isn't that powerful? It's like the Lord. He just speaks to you along the way. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. Amen. Well, I'm going to read a verse to you this morning, and we're going to look at... Um, Oh, I have to be honest with you. Um, as the Lord was speaking to me about this morning, we're going to go to Isaiah 43. I'll tell you that so you can turn there. Isaiah 43, you know, um, and, uh, and so if you're turning in your Bibles or looking it up on your tablets or smartphones, you can, you can be ready. But um, I have to tell you that as the Lord was speaking to me about this morning and for a word in season, um, there were just so many... Like, you know, when God shows you a theme in Scripture, there's just so many Scriptures with it, you know. And that's what you can find. You can find it. We call it a thread or we can call it a theme that we see in Scripture. And, and when we see that, what we can see often is a, a, a facet of the nature of God. We find out how He works. How many know God has a way? God, how many know God has ways? He has ways. Right? People come up with methods, but God has something called ways. Right? Methods are rigid, and the longer you have them, the more rigid they become. And pretty soon, you use that method because, uh, and, and, and almost always, depending on personality types and whatnot, and it's okay because it takes all kinds, that, that um, you know, you're like, well, what? Why do we? Why are we doing? Why are we doing this? And um, well, that's that's how we've always done it. You know, somebody told me a story once about how they uh, they were tired. I forget what kind of roast it was that they would cook on the holidays. We're going to Isaiah forty three in a minute, and um, and and they were taught that you had to cut the end off the roast and then put it in the pot. Have you guys heard this story? You've all heard the story. How many of you have not ever heard this story? Because it's, okay, I'm, that's enough people. It's, it's powerful. So she's like, this is what you do. And you cut the end off the roast and you put it in the pot. And, and then you, you know, then all the rest of the baking instructions. Set it at this temperature, cook it for this long, etc., etc. And one day the daughter, when she was learning, says, Mom... Why do we cut the end off the roast? I mean, the end, it looks like good meat. Why do we cut the end off the roast? Well, shouldn't we just leave it on? And she goes, well, that's how, mom taught, that's how my mom, your grandma, taught me to do it. And so we've always cut the end off the roast. And, uh, and she goes, why? I don't know. So she calls her mom. And she says, mom, why do we cut the end off the roast? And she said, oh, well, 
The reason we always cut the end off the rose when you were growing up is because we didn't have a lot of money and I only had one pan. And the whole roast would never fit in the pan. So I had to cut the little bit of the end off to fit it into the pan so we could cook it. (laughs) And so it makes sense why they would have done it. And yet when you lose track of the purpose of why you do what you do, pretty soon you're on autopilot and it may not even serve the purpose anymore. You could be having more roast. (laughs) <laughs> you got a bigger pan, praise God. Maybe you have two pans. I don't know. You're living in abundance. But um, <laughs> anyway, let's read this verse. Um, Isaiah 43, 19. Uh, and the Lord is, is speaking through Isaiah the prophet. And he says, look, I'm about to do something new. Even now it is coming. Do you not see it? Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. I'm going to read that first part again. Look, I like this because God is doing something new here. He's proclaiming it, but he's saying, look, he's saying, see it as to imply, even though I'm doing something new, it's possible for you not to see it. So the Lord comes along and he says, look. I'm about to do something new. Actually, I'm already doing it. (laughs) Isn't that good? I was thinking about the nature of the prophetic in this. And that, um, because it's prophet. And um, I was thinking about the nature of the prophetic. And how many know that the prophetic word is futuristic? Lots of times we give words to one another. And it's, it's often a mixture of word of knowledge, really. And prophetic, but it's all wonderful. It's all good, um, but 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 actual like true prophetic is about the future. But I was thinking, and this is this has dawned on me before that that actually even present is a part of future, because living in the present, one second from now, it's future, but it comes to you like that. So really. We really are to be, if we are a people on a pilgrimage, we're really called to be a people, even though living presently, we are still moving into the future. Right? And there are things that keep us tied to the past. They keep us from personally moving forward. I mean, God never stops moving on the planet. God's purpose never stops advancing on the planet. But I, I get to be a part of it. If I can see it, And if I can celebrate and agree, God's looking for alignment. And um, and so uh, some of the some of the uh, the things that bring this this theme about in Scripture and, and we're talking about seeing what God is doing. This is just one one small point that I want to make. And it's in Matthew 11, 14, um, Jesus said, If you're willing to accept it, he, speaking of John the Baptist, is Elijah who is to come. So they're believing that, hey, Elijah is actually going to come, right? And he goes, okay, it actually is happening right now. It isn't Elijah himself. It is John the Baptist in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children, the hearts of the children back to the fathers, and to make a way for the coming Messiah. 
Whew, the anointing on that. And um, and so, um, but you know, this is in one particular. Uh, this is one particular case where I actually like the King James version, and it isn't about my preference of wording. It's about when you do the word study, what you see in the original text. The King James version says, "If ye." <laughs> Are you glad we're not saying ye these days? We should try it. But um, so if you will uh, receive it. So he says, if you can accept it, right? But the word actually is not just to accept a concept or be okay with an idea or, you know, but it is actually to uh if you can receive it. That's a better word when you do the study. If you can receive it. It actually means to take with the hand. It's, in other words, to receive something of substance. How many think that sounds a lot like faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So he's talking about believing him, what he's saying and doing. Having the ability to see it. And then get on board with what he's doing. And this is God. I'm moving. Who wants in? But I want to do something else. Well, you can. I'm going to be doing this. You know, this is God. This this really was the ministry of John the Baptist, of, of every prophet that ever came, ultimately of Jesus Christ, our Lord, on the earth. John, uh, Matthew eleven fifteen says, and um, and also in several places in Revelation, he said, "He who has ears, let him hear." Again, we're talking about something is being said, and then there is an ability to hear that thing that is being said by God. Whoever has ears, hey, I see y'all got ears. Cool. Now, hear what I'm saying. How many know that sometimes even when we have ears, we don't hear? You know, and um, here's something that encourages me when you have a heart to hear from God. Here's something that encourages me. They go, what if I'm hearing God wrong? I'm like, if you have a heart to hear God, his ability to speak to you overrides way overcompensates for any weakness in hearing that you may have. See, the key is not how smart you are or how sharp your ears are, but it is how open, humble, and receptive and hungry your heart is to hear him and what he has to say. He looks for a heart. He looks for a heart. And if you've got that, then I'm like, you are set up. Because he cares about you more than you care about you. So you don't have to be afraid. Anytime you're afraid, what if I don't hear God? Uh, do you want to? Are you okay with whatever he says? Then you'll, you'll hear because he's going to speak to you. You know why? He loves you. He loves you. He's not this grumpy God who's like, well, too bad for you. I'm going to say it once. If you missed it, you know, you're going to hell. I mean, you know, when you think about it, I mean, he's the one who sent his own son. Amen. Moving on. To look at a little context for us personally here in, in this house, in our journey, um, about a year ago, and this has been a theme for us all year, you know, so in other words, you know, uh, new season, 
right? New pastor. It's so like, it could almost just be cliche to say, oh, it's a new season. It's a new thing. You're doing it. You know, I mean, you get it, like, right? But the reality is, it really is. And it usually is in cases like that. But, um, but what I think makes it even more powerful is that God has actually been speaking to us all along the way as a body. And so corporately, we have been hearing the Lord together in different settings and in different ways, right? And so one of, the, one of the words, one of the first corporate words that I remember was almost a year ago. Uh, somebody was sitting right over there and something happened that I hadn't seen in a corporate service for years, decades maybe. A gift of tongues spoke out. It spoke out in tongues and... Um, I mean, I've seen a lot of prophecy, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of kingdom, a lot of move of the spirit, a lot. Of, but anyway, so we get a, a gift of tongues comes out, and I'm thinking, okay, we're going to wait for interpretation. Buck Steele, Buck, I was looking for Buck. Uh, oh, Bucky, Buck. See, you can take notice. So Buck comes up. He has the uh, the interpretation, and and his word was basically that. God had opened a new door, and there was an exhortation in that word. What are you going to do? Come through this door. God, the Lord was urging us and calling us to walk through the door that he had opened into this new season. That was the gist of it. Is that fair, Buck? And, um, and, so, and, uh, and then so uh, a few months pass, and we've got uh, some... You know, and then this whole theme about new shoes for a new walk and a new season kind of became a theme for us, a prophetic word to us. And you can see now the thread that, that beginning to form and how God is speaking to us along the way, that, that there was that, that word that, that came. And then, and then um, it was actually a guest here who had a word for us, but it just landed and kind of spread among us and... And then there was a prophetic song that went out, New Shoes for New Walk, New Season. It was a crazy thing that night when that song went out and we were embracing this new season together, talking about new shoes for a new walk that God wanted to give us. You know, somebody gave me a pair of boots, cowboy boots. I'd never had a pair of cowboy boots before. And, uh, and I thought they had to be the worst thing to wear. They just didn't look comfortable but these things i mean it was like i bought them for myself the way they fit me was like they you know because they're leather it was like they, i bought them for myself and that i'd been the one wearing them i mean when i put them on it was like unbelievable i did not expect these things to feel this way they are amazing but they got a heel on them right and you know you know what i noticed about cowboy boots they change the way you walk i mean You've got to, like, just embrace the stride. You know what I mean? Like, you do, right? You do. You can't. If you try to kind of do the, the, the kind of the barefoot or the, the tennis shoe walk, it doesn't work. You know? And, and you know, but it just, and cowboy boots almost present like a confident walk, don't they? Because you just got to take a full stride and let the boots kind of, those boots were made for walking. And so, and so, uh. And so I put these boots on, actually, surprisingly enough, or maybe not so surprisingly, it was actually an entire word for myself. This was like two years ago, and, and God, I didn't connect this until just now, it's just fun, um, but, but that the Lord was like, yeah, 
yeah, new, there was something prophetic. For me personally, it had to do with a whole thing God was doing in my life in that season. And he was saying, it ch- it'll change your walk. And um, that was so good. And so that night, when, when that prophetic song went out, we were all just uh, embracing this prophetic word that the Lord's given to us here at Mountain Chapel. Um, it was like, then people started sharing, like, one person was like, and we were just away on the weekend, and I, I never do this, but I bought, like, I don't know how many pairs of shoes. I've never done that in my life. I bought, like, a stack of shoes, you know, and, and, and there was all these shoes, things, actual shoe stories happening, and it was just laughable. It was, it was, it's funny. And yet, glaring, like, see, look, I'm doing something, and I'm giving you markers all along the way. And, um, and, and I just love the way God speaks to us along the way, that He's faithful to do that. And, um, and then, you know, and, and we're not looking at every detail of how the Lord has confirmed this theme along the way, but the most recent one would be last Sunday, where Reuben uh, came to me, and right before I got up to preach, I was going to preach out of Romans 8 that day. I was ready to preach out of Romans 8 today, but you know, I just never want to go on autopilot. And, um, and so I was asking the Lord, is that the word? I just felt, no, this, this is what he had for today. And... Um, and so Reuben comes to me right there and he says, uh, hey, I, I have a word. I think I have a word. And, and uh, I'm like, tell me about it. You know what he got? And, and um, this is what you do. This is what you do with the prophetic. You, you, you submit your word, depending on in what setting it is. And then, you know, I always just trust, like, whoever's, whoever's leading that time, wherever I am. Like, if I'm, if I'm somewhere else and I'm going, I feel like I have a word. And I give it to them, and they go, great, I think that's for another time. I'm like, praise God. I stewarded it. You know what I mean? I don't walk away going, they don't want what God's saying. Otherwise, they'd have listened to me. You know? <laughs> Something doesn't sound right about that. Anyway, <laughs> so, um, anyway, so, uh, but, uh, anyway, side note, so he gives me, and I, as soon as he starts sharing, I'm like, oh, I'm going to have you share that. And you were there. If you were there, you know what happened. Reuben came up. He shared a word, um, with us, and it was about a new season, and um, and uh, and then what happened? The Holy Spirit came into the room, and I'll just be honest with you. Like I, in moments like that, I, I'm always I'm I I just slow down in a moment like that. You go, you know what to do in a moment like that. I don't know what to do. That's why I slow down. I, what I know to do is slow down and listen. You know, like what I know to do is walk tender and 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 look and and wait and see if the if the leading of the Lord, the discernment, the impressions that God begins to give stick with me. It's kind of maybe that's a whole fun training in itself. But but you just the point is because I felt in that moment, man, God is showing up in this room. Remember, we pointed it out and then he just increased. In the room. And there are moments when the presence of God is strong. And if you were to lean in toward ministry time, certainly more would come. And then you could have miracles and ministry and people would be touched. And it, it just does. Like when you lean in, when he's moving, 
it, he, he, he gives more. It, it, it often opens up. And then you can have a ministry time, a really powerful ministry time. And actually, I just feel, I just feel to say right now that the word of, I feel that there's healing in the room right now. And I'm going to keep preaching, but I feel a miracle, healing, anointing in the room right now. So if you need something in your body, wow, just let the Lord touch you. Even as I preach, Lord, we just thank you. Ah. And so what I'm gauging in those moments is, is it a time to lean in? Or sometimes it's like the anointing is here, but go ahead and transition and get to preaching or get to whatever. Whatever is next. Keep moving. There is a time to do that. That day I felt like, I, I thought, I, I just felt I'd be quenching the spirit if I were to preach. And I want to give a little bit of insight. I, I, I just think it's good that we have a little bit of understanding when things like that are happening. And, and I was ready to preach at any moment. I thought this could go on for 15 minutes and then maybe I'll preach a, short, a shortened version of the message. Um, however, God just took over. And those of you who are here, it was so powerful. You know, it was like, I mean, I don't know, we ended service and then people were leaving at like 1.30 getting off the ground. Because they were genuinely being ministered to by Holy Spirit. We didn't preach last week. We went back into worship. And, and, and there were other things. If you were here, you know, Buck came up and had a word that, um, that day about, um, well, I'm jumping ahead. I'll get to that. Side note, and, and I do just want to say that um, the way that we operate in this house, remember, you know, you know, God doesn't mind our methods. And most of the time we think God gave us our methods, but lots of times he just let us come up with our methods and he's like, that's fine. Actually, you know what actually happened if you really want to look at church history is that some of our methods and traditions that we have, anointed people of God just chose to do something a certain way because they were anointed. And we go, well, God, people get saved when we dim the lights and close our eyes and every eye closed and every head bowed and not, not a single eye looking around. If today, you know, and, and it, you can actually feel the anointing on that. But the funny thing is, that method isn't holy in and of itself. It's the God who moves when we get in space that's holy and powerful. And we choose methods and God goes, that's fine. You want to do it that way? Go ahead because I've anointed you. I have anointed you. I don't actually anoint methods, traditions, ways of doing things. I don't anoint those things. Well, if we change it, we might miss it. No, because God isn't contained in methods. Nothing like that can contain God. And, and with every fresh move of God, there have always been new expressions of worship, new songs that are written. I mean, what, there was a time when waving a flag in church. Well, there's places it's still really super strange. I get that. But, but there was a time when it was probably strange everywhere. You know, and now we're like, yeah, we've got to have the flaggers. We've got to have the artists. I mean, we don't have to. And the reason we have the artists, which thank you for painting, by the way, Laura. Um, well, I'm not going to camp on that. We're moving on. 
but uh, was going to share, like, if you do have, like, say tongues goes out and you think you have the interpretation of it, or you probably do, you know, or you feel like you have a word. The, um, if you're new to the house, it is, I would like you to know what Reuben did actually is kind of how we do things around here. And, and, uh, and again, we don't think it's holy. We don't think it's God's way. We just think it's a way that works really good in this house. Like if I came to your house and you go, well, we take our shoes off and sit cross-legged at the, at the dinner table, you know, and I'd be like, why? Is that God's way? No, it's how we do it here in our house, in our, in our family. And, and in each, each house of worship, even though there's only one church, each house of worship kind of has those kind of things. So if you're here, you're new, you're getting to know us, I thought it'd be a great opportunity just to let you know, even in the move of the Spirit, we are convinced that we are not going to grieve God if we are submitting one to another. And so if you have a word, you come up and you go, hey, I think I have a word, then um, we just appreciate it if, uh, if you just have that kind of a trust for um, leadership, service leader, whoever it is, that day that uh, they're going to they're going to make space for the Lord and we just trust them to lead, okay? Um, another thing I'd love to say is that um, remember that we see in Scripture that, uh, this is a side note, but that um, you don't have to worry because we don't judge people, we judge words, right? So when someone gives, and by judge, it's a heavy word. When somebody gives a word, you're going, how does that word land? How much of that, right? And we're open, not critical, I don't know about that. It's not that. It's it's that, in other words, we don't judge people. That guy gave a bad word. We don't like that guy. No, we love that guy. We love that guy, you know, and, and we know that he has a prophetic gift. So that's okay. But we, you get it, right? We That's the scripture. And the other part is, just for a simple reminder, is that, that the, the prophetic ministry, according to scriptures, for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Build up, stir up, cheer up. It should make you happier and better at the end of it. And we don't do gloom and doom. We don't do public rebuke. It's just not really, you just don't see that in the New Testament. And, um, and so, uh, not that, well, but, but thank you. There you go. Amen. Um, so, here we go. Section two. When we talk about being in a new season, new shoes for a new walk, a new season, right? How many know with the changing of the seasons, it's important to change your wardrobe? How many know it's important that you wear different clothes in the winter in Weaverville than you wear in the summer in Weaverville? Right? I mean, most people, I mean, if you talk to my Minnesota friends... They'd wear their summer clothes here in the winter. But, but we would not. To us, it's cold. To, to them, it's a nice roasty day, our coldest day. You know, they're like, it's above zero, shorts and a sweatshirt. And um, <laughs> those guys are amazing. But um, keeping their ice cream on their porch. But, um, but how many know that with the change of the season, it's important that we dress differently? And, and when we talk about spiritual seasons, I would actually go one further and say, you know, the best way to dress in a new season is to let the Lord pick your outfit. Let him pick your outfit. 
Do you know that He's the one who clothes us in righteousness? He's the one who clothes us in all the things that we need to be clothed in. He's the one who provides for us our spiritual clothing, if you will. And so in a new season, rather than saying, I actually want to take this, this old, right? I just want to take a patch of it. Amen? What's it say here? I was just, I had this open in case I was going to read it. Uh, if you want to jot it down, I'm not going to wait for you to turn there for sake of time. But Luke 5, right? Um, is it 33? Here you go. No one tears a patch from a new garment and puts it onto an old garment. Otherwise, not only will he tear the new, but, but also the piece from the new garment will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into an old wineskin. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, it will spill, and the skins will be ruined. Now, Jesus was... Was, was teaching this because he was there heralding a new season. A huge new season. Old covenant to new covenant. That's about the biggest transition that's ever happened spiritually on planet Earth. Okay? Old covenant to new covenant. Alright? And Jesus was saying, I know that you guys have so many traditions and they were awesome. But it's a new season. And I got a new garment for you. And, and if you take uh, part of the old, or you just try to say, I just want this little spot of the new, and I want to put that on my old clothes, because I like my old outfit. He goes, I know, I know, but it doesn't work. It'll just, it won't match. It'll look, your fashion will be bad, your spiritual fashion. And, and actually, it'll just rip. When you wash it, it'll shrink away. The whole thing's going to be ruined. Right? You guys catching this? And I... And maybe you've heard a message like this before. However, I believe it's a timely word for us. That nobody puts new wine into an old wine skin. Do you know why? Because old wine skins have already stretched to their capacity. And they're like, I did that once. I had, I had new wine. I had a revival. I had a move of God. This is what I look like now. This is how God does it. God does it this way. God looks like me. When the truth is, we are all becoming to look more and more like Him all the time. And one of the biggest collisions when God wants to pour out new wine in the church is that He's got to help our hearts, those of us who have drank of the old wine, because it says, when whoever had the old wine and the new wine comes, they don't want the new wine because they say, the old wine was better. It was better. Oh, remember how better it was? But you know how deceptive that idea really is? It was better. Like, it was, not better, but it was good. If it was God, it was so good. And it was new then. It wasn't old then. It was new. But now it's old. And old wine is good. But we get to have old and new. You know. And so, and so new wine skins, they can stretch. They, see, the thing is, an old wine skin says, this is how I am. If a, if a wineskin could talk, it would say, this is how I am. This is the shape that I am in. And so pour the wine into me. The wine will look like me. 
The wine will be as big as me. The wine will be shaped like me. But a new wineskin says, I don't know what I'm going to look like. But when that wine gets poured into me, I'm going to stretch and I'm going to... Uh, my shape's going to change. I'm going to look like the wine. I'm going to look like him. I'm going to change. I'm going to look different. I'm going to look like what he's doing now in my life, not just like... You know, the beauty of it is, I think, is that Sometimes we're afraid to lose the old, right? But God always builds on what he's done. He never throws it out. And actually, he's done what he's done so that he could do what he's doing. Because if you don't, if you don't, if, if this is building 101, right? Oh, how many just want to be, how many want new wine in your life? If new wine means that God does what God wants to do, who would ever argue with that? What believer would say, listen, if it really, if it was God, I don't want him to do it. As long as, like, no, none of us in our hearts would truly say that, would we? We would never say, okay, truly God, and this is what you're doing? Well, I don't like it. I mean, it might be discomfort. You know what a horrible gauge about if something is God or not God? My comfort level. That is a faulty gauge. Because God's never called me. I'm kind of getting to preaching here. But God's never called me to find comfort in my methods, in my traditions, in my way of life. And my life keeps changing. But there's a condition of the heart... Listen, I want to tell you something. This is powerful. This is my bread. This is my bread for me. There is a condition of the heart that releases to me abundant peace and makes me ready to receive all that he has for me, even all the stuff I don't know he has for me. And it's one word. You know what it is? Surrender. 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 And what I found is that when I begin to strive, it's because I, I laid down my surrender. I, I lost my surrender. And I started going, I kind of liked it this way. I had a season where things were changing all around me. And, and I was changing and changing and flowing. And, and then I remember that I just hit this point. In that season where I was just like, oh, I don't know if I want to make this adjustment again. But I'm just being real with you. And I became aware. And I'll tell you what, there was a heart cry in me that says, God, the truth is I want everything you have for me. But this adjustment here, oh, is that what you want me? Oh, you know what I mean? And we kind of. And, and, and so then the Lord helps you back to your surrender where you go, you know what? I picked up my life again. And you said that if I grip it, it slips through my fingers anyway. So I give it back to you. I want to be a new wineskin. So Buck, now, now we're going to, we're closing up here. Buck had a word last week. And he interpreted a prophetic, what I believe to be a prophetic experience that 
that uh, Fenton had about when he saw that eagle come down and grab the fox and it was struggling to get off the road, right? And then Buck had the word for us that that um, that, that in a new season, we God is saying, hey, lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily besets us. Sometimes it's not sin that God's... I was like, obviously, if it's sin, lay it aside. Quick. Quick as you can, you know. But sometimes what God calls us to lay aside is good things. It's just weight. Right? I mean, I got a friend who does uh, 200 miles solo backpack trips, you know, by himself. And, 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 uh, and uh, so what goes into his backpack there's so many good things that would be so nice to have on the trail. The fact is, there are th- he just can't take most of those things to do what he does. Because he's going long. You get it. And it was a powerful word. And, and how that eagle, if he really wanted to, is like, this fox, man, I want this fox. You know, the Bible says the foxes spoil the vines. These little foxes, like... It's just like sometimes, actually, and sometimes you've got something, I don't know what it is. It doesn't matter. Like, I'm, I'm just saying, like, whatever it is, it could be a method, it could be, a way, it could be anything. But it's like, it might have been even something that God taught you, not a principle. We never laid down God's principles, truths, you hear me on that. But it might have been a good thing in one season, but then you go into another season and it's just, it's good, but he's calling me higher. What if I let it go? What am I going to eat? You're going to soar. You know? And that was just such a good word that was released to us. When I hold on to my own way, I trade the benefits of his ways for the benefits of my own. One of one of the benefit the benefits what are the benefits of his way? It's it's endless, isn't it? Limitless. What he has for me, he treats me better than I can treat myself. He always has. And what I'm saying, you know, is that um, God's moving in our midst. It was such a powerful. All along this year, so many testimonies. It's been a year of miracles. And, um, and I just believe that there's increase for this year. That God is moving. And um, I think a key for us is to keep our eyes on the prize. And to come together and to look to Him and say, Holy Spirit, have your way. You do whatever you want. You do what you want in your church. Because you're God. 